You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy, Doc Coyle, the X-Man, kicking it here in Brisbane, Australia. Had a uh, 14-hour flight, and uh, you know, I actually feel pretty good. I slept on the flight, had some very lovely uh, elderly ladies next to me who are, who are, who are lovely, and uh, yeah, and then pretty much been up super early, but somehow I've got my second wind, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna record some of the pod. All right, we'll see what's going on. See what's going on in the, in, in the down under. And I have to say, it's beautiful here. It's, it's very hot, and uh, everything's just nice here. You know, everything looks new. I haven't seen an old car. I haven't seen an old building. Uh, there's no trash on the street. There's no homeless people. So, you know, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna give you my, my <laughs> communist ramblings about uh <laughs> how uh. You know, people say that America is the greatest country. Clearly, haven't been anywhere else. I'm not saying America isn't the greatest country, but you know, at least check first. You know, I don't know. We have plenty of trash and homeless people. I know that. So let's get this together, America. Anyway, I'll stop with the, um, you know, the soapbox just to get on another soapbox. So I've, I have a little, something I want to I talk about. Um, recently, you know, it's funny. A c- couple things went down. So you had you had the Super Bowl, right? And all I heard was people bitching about Maroon 5, you know, it's very easy, seems like. And then and then the second thing I noticed right around the same time was uh, Greta Van Fleet was on Saturday Night Live. And, and it's just all I'm getting is just just hate, 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 hate. I'm about to start this tour with Nickelback. I got people leaving comments. Oh, can't wait for you guys to. Uh, no, actually, no. Here's what they'll do. They'll go. I'm really sorry you're doing that. I'm like, motherfucker. What? Why are you sorry? I, you know, I've seen the the pre-sales for these shows, guys. You, you know what they are? It's eight thousand. You know, just a little little show. Then eleven thousand and eleven thousand. So all the shows are going to be large shows. And you know, and I'm not doing this for free. I actually get paid to do this. This is actually my job. And so, so I don't know why you're sorry. <laughs> That I get to, my job is to play in front of tens of thousands of people who are really happy and having a good time. I don't really see what you're sorry for, but people actually think like this, and I think it's actually insane. And I'm going to make an assertion here that I just need to get out that 
the internet is not the real world. And I know this for a fact, all right? You know how, know how I know the internet is the real world? Because if the internet was the real world, there would not be 30,000 combined tickets sold for this tour. on three. That's three shows. That's not like 50 shows. It's three shows. So how I, I just don't understand. If everyone hates Maroon 5, right, why are they on the Super Bowl? Why are they selling millions of records? Why are they number one on the radio if everyone hates them? No, it's just the motherfuckers. Everyone has turned into Roger Ebert, all right? Ever since once we gave people Facebook and Twitter and a phone, everyone just loves to talk shit about everyone. And I don't know. I just, I think, I, I imagine it's different, you know, when you're someone who has to do these things, right? Like when you, when I've never played on television before. And when I did, it was the most nervous I've ever been in my life. So I'm kind of going to give someone who's like maybe a little out of key a break you know because people just don't they just when you don't know what it's like and you don't understand the, the threshold of what you have to do um it's real easy to be like oh they sucked i'm like oh you know and they're like well you remember prince i'm like oh it wasn't as good as prince so they suck well, what about michael jackson oh they weren't as good as michael jackson literally the greatest some of the greatest artists of all time the truth is, once Maroon 5 was booked, it was like a band that was just innocuous where they thought enough people, they were around long enough, they had enough songs, this guy's on uh, television. But as soon as they took the gig, it was basically who's in line to get you know, tomatoes thro- thrown at them. But people don't know that you do those gigs, you don't know how much press he had to do, you don't know how much rehearsal time, you don't know if he was sick, you don't know if there was something wrong with his monitors, you don't know that it's actually hard to mix music on live television. It doesn't come across on TV the way it would at a concert. Um, there's a lot of elements that that, that go into it. And it's not, I'm not going to say like Maroon 5 was the greatest band or the greatest show. It's not about that. I'm just not going to waste my fucking breath talking about how terrible they are. And I just think we have things so good. We just love, we just, we're just we're just shit talkers. And the same thing goes with Greta Van Fleet on Saturday Night Live. It's like, can we at least be happy there's four people playing actual music with no tracks? You know, no no click. Or maybe there's a click. I don't, I don't know. But they're just actually playing. Oh, so the guy's a little off. Or, oh, they didn't have the greatest stage presence. They're fucking 19 years old. Let them grow into themselves. It's like, who are you? What the fuck have you done that you can criticize someone, you know, who's out there, who's selling hundreds of thousands of records, selling out every show. They just want want a Grammy. And I get it. Okay. They sound like Led Zeppelin. You mean Led Zeppelin, the band that literally ripped off every fucking blues artist they ever heard. Dazed and Confused is literally someone else's song. They didn't even change the lyrics. So we're going to sit here and... Talk about originality with Led Zeppelin. Well, I love fucking Led Zeppelin, all right? But that's not the point. The point is is that maybe just sometimes if you don't like something, just shut the fuck up. I don't care if you don't like it. It's like, you know, and it's, they know by numbers that negative stories get more traction than positive ones. And yeah, you can try it right now. Go put a post where you're like, I really love, you know, the new whatever record that, you know, who, whoever's out right now, you know, I really love their record. Then do another post with another band, especially someone, you know, people hate, right. Or, or, you know, is, is divisive. 
you know, like Disturb. That's a device that makes you. Like, I hate the new Disturb record. No, it's a, oh no, to actually be real, go. The new Disturb is a piece of shit, right? You'll get hundred comments. Yes, right. Fuck them. You know, and people just need to really start checking themselves. Because I'll be like, what the fuck have you done? And you know, if you've done something, like if you're someone who sang on TV and has been out there, and I wouldn't even say like, I wouldn't say, oh, you have to be this level successful to criticize. I wouldn't even say that. Just just have a certain level of experience and have been around enough to understand what, what it must be like to, to know how hard these things are. You know, so I always give credit, even if I don't like the artist or I think, hey, it wasn't perfect. Hey, if I hear someone at a key, at least I know they're singing. At least I know it's not fake. But I just had to get that out. It's like, yo, guys, the internet is not the real world. You know, because all these people, you would think, oh, everyone hated their, that Ghostbusters remake. Really? It made like $100 million or $200 million. So somebody saw it. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is everything, everything's terrible? No, I think actually some of the greatest of everything is being made right now. And uh, we should take a minute to appreciate it. And sometimes Doc has got to go on a fucking rant. That shit just pissed me off. Stop fucking complaining. Do something. How about stop complaining and make something? Put it out there. See how you like it when people shit on you. And by the way, this is not about me. I don't, I can completely take the abuse. Um, Bad Wolves has now, because we're, <laughs> we're successful enough that one of those bands where, so like on the PRP, I think something was announced about a new record and it was just, we just got trashed, like 40 comments and not one of them was positive. And in a way, it's a badge of honor because it means we're doing well. Um, of course, you you like people to say nice things about you, but I'm okay with it because a I don't I've li- I've been around long enough where I don't need that external validation to say I'm okay, um, and I just know it comes with the territory. Like I've the the most criticism I've ever gotten online was being a writer for VH1, and I just got trashed by thousands of people. And you just, you learn to take it and you're like, okay, this is what it is. You get thick skin and that's what the internet is, but it ain't fucking real. All right. So put that in your goddamn pipe and smoke it. I love that. You know what really grinds my gears? Anyway, we have a show sponsor. (laughs) Oh man, that was fun. All right. We have a show sponsor this week for this week's show. And it's actually a second time show sponsor. And I... I really appreciate this, you know, second time. So, you know, they liked it so much. They wanted to come back. And I, honestly, I couldn't not do this show without the support. So I want to shout out. This is uh, Beneath the Hollow and Jesse DeGroote with that band. Um, and there's a song called Omens. Check it out. <laughs> Cure death. 
So that was Beneath the Hollow with their track Omens from their Nihilist EP. And if you want to help them out and support them, you can go to their website, www.bth1, that's the number one, dot net. That's bth1.net. And they're hooking you guys up. They're going to give you a 15% discount for the x Men listeners. And that's DC2009. That's DC as in Doc Coyle. And they also have a show coming up at The Forge in Joliet, Illinois. And that's on March 30th, 2019. So definitely check them out. Support them if you enjoyed that song. I enjoyed it. And I really appreciate them supporting the show. If you would like to hear your band on this show, hit me up on social media or drop me an email at thexmanpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, with the business out of the way, I would like to introduce our forthcoming guest, uh, Mr. Clint Lowry, the uh, lead guitar player and uh, backing vocalist or secondary vocalist for Seven Dust is uh, probably one of the most requested guests uh, I've had on the show and someone I've sought after and 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 when I started this show is the type of person I wanted to speak with because of um his how interesting his career is Seven Dust is one of my favorite bands I've seen them a bajillion times I've all their records and uh and he's someone I I really look up to as a musician and a human being um I just uh I have a lot of I have so much respect for how he carries himself and as a musician he's just the guy can just do anything and he's one of the the few people when you hear his riffs and melodies and his guitar tone and his voice and you're like it's that guy and there's just not many of them out there and it's um it's been tremendous for me to kind of grow in in my career and get to meet people um, that I look up to as kind of like heroes of mine and people I, I want to emulate my, um, you know, my, my career after and, and my playing after. And then you kind of get to earn their respect over time and become friends with them. It's, it's, it's still like things I have to kind of pinch myself a, a little bit and definitely take a moment of, of gratitude. So this was something I was really, really happy I, c- I can make happen and, and something that is really the reason why this show exists. So please check out my conversation with the great, and humble and awesome, Clint Lowry. See if we get the oh, we got the waveforms, baby. That, that means we're in business. Let's, oh yeah, I, I like it. You hear that 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 beautiful voice. See if I had an acoustic here, I put your ass to work. My uh, you know, <laughs> my waves look cooler than yours, man. Look how more proud of you Son of a bitch. Wait, which channel am I? You too. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you down a little bit because you you know you bring that. That I'll, hefty. I won't do that. Then, nah, that's fine. You know, it, I won't do that. see, the, these aren't my usual <laughs> usual mics. Usually, I use the uh, SM7Bs, and they're uh, Normans. No, no, no. Just, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm joking. Just listen, man. Ten thousand dollars. I'll take. i that kind of money, man. You know, right. not yet. Not yeah, yet. Dude. One of these days. Y'all are big now, man. Shit. <laughs> you see the bank account? You see it? I, I, know, sh- I know. what that perception <laughs> is. The, the perception is big. <laughs> I know. Well, no. Here's a good thing. No one's asked me for a loan, yeah, yeah. or to invest anything. So we can't be that big. Yeah, that's yeah. when you're like, hey, so we uh, we're yeah. starting this app. Donations. Donate. Well, that's what you need to do. <laughs> I need to accept, or I need to give. No, you need to. You need to. Well, you know, Patreon if they ask page. you for donations, then it means you again. You're you're making it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I feel like every couple months or there'll be some 
GoFundMe for a band dude who needs medical. So every time that I see that, I always give money because it's like those are our tribe. Those are our people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and it sucks that we're in a situation, not to get too political too early in here, that where it just seems like, why is this every two months? It's like, hey, man, this guy needs to get his pancreas yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah. to all chip in. It's a different platform, man. People, you know, and I look at the, I look at them every now and then and just try to look at the, you know, if it's real, you need to try to detect any kind of BS to it, man. And well, here's what because people abuse it, man. Yeah. Well, me, here's the way I look at it. I'll throw twenty dollars if it's fake. You got yeah, me. It's only exactly. twenty dollars. It just makes me feel better just throwing <laughs> something out. Yeah. Well, it's usually, like I said, usually it's for a friend or something. Yeah, that, and yeah. I'm pretty sure it's all right. But um, so welcome to the X Man Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate man. it. So you might not know this, but you are one of the most requested uh, people for this for this Is that show. Right? Yes. You know what? I gotta be honest with you, man. What I was, uh, I was like, I because I love your podcast. I love you. I think you're incredible, man. But I was like, man, he's never gonna ask me. Really? And I was like, I would love to. I'd well, be no. honored because because uh, I, I just feel like every time I see you, we don't get a lot of time to hang out. It's yeah. always like fast New York passing. Yeah. And we are. You always make me. You're one of those people that I always want to hang out with. But it's always a lot of people around, so we never get a chance to hang. So. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm on the other end, where I always assume I'm bothering people. I'm always <laughs> assuming, especially, you know, with podcasting, some people, if you're in a press cycle, right, and mm-hmm. you're just been hammered with this interview, this interview, and then it's like, fuck, another thing where I have to spend how much time blathering about whatever. Yeah. Every time people actually do it, they realize it's not that. Right. It's really just, you're my buddy. We're just gonna, you know, I'm gonna, you know, we're we're gonna talk about some career stuff. We're kind of gonna get into that, but it's a different kind of space, and it's a yeah. This is hopefully for people to do it. This is not press. This is not work. This is just, hey man, this is like, I don't know. I I actually have probably haven't formulated, but it's almost as as I put it, it's a safe space. For yeah, us guys. that's what that's what it is. Because <laughs> I know we 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 walk the same path, and we're in this business together. And there's this this language that I think we speak and. There's a comfortability that's there. And in a lot of press, I mean, some of it can be great and easy, but, you know, I, I just like what you do. I like what you ask. And there's, there, there, you can sense that comfortable vibe. And Well, so. that's why I prefer to to deal with friends. Yeah. You know, I've had a couple times where I've met people, but it's, you know, because once you start getting some traction, then all of a sudden you start hearing from um, other PR people who are looking, hey, such and such has an album out. We'd love to get them on your show. And you're, sure, yeah. So you kind of – and. It, it'll be someone that I'm like, oh, that person's cool, but I have no rapport. Yeah. Um, and it's fine if it if it's the right fit and it, and it makes sense and all. But it you know requires a little more, you you know, kind of just having that already basis of knowing someone. You kind of kind of can get into little things uh, quicker in a more intimate way. So I I prefer I like even if it's someone really famous. Yeah. I prefer a friend over someone who's just like, oh, it's a big name that's gonna yeah get a bunch of hits, you know. I think that's the appeal, man. You know, you 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 can kind of handpick a little bit. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like, I mean, I get. <clears throat> well, no, I mean, I think I haven't put as much a premium on. I need to get this big person. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. because in in many ways, that is what drives a lot of these things. You look at like Josta's show, and he gets yeah the, yeah. the top tippy top of at least our world. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, the, of the metal and kind of he does great, rock man. scene, you know, and I'm. My Rolodex is not quite as expansive, and you know, to another degree, I don't know. So, like, he knows Rob Halford. Like, yeah, so yeah. Like, 
I've seen Rob Halford. I know who he is. He doesn't know who I am. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's I kind of that thing. So I'd, I'd rather just kind of just just working working my way up. I have a master list that you were on because your story in particular is fascinating because you were the only guy to leave, right? As far as yeah. I know. You know, so you're so the X Men. So you're like an X Man who came back, and it's almost the same situation. I had Dave Ellison up here the other day. Yeah, it's kind of the same, the, the same kind of scenario. I got gotcha. you. Um, so I, I I find that even you know very interesting in in, in, in itself. So you, because you know kind of what it's like to be on the outs, on the outs. You know, um, not, I guess not to get too quickly into it, but. How did? Why did you leave the first time? Man, you know, that's I've been asked that question a bunch. Yeah. You know, and there, and it's always been, you know, and the answer has evolved, man, over the years because there was this stock answer that I used to give, but it wasn't really. The it wasn't truth. really the truth, and the truth is, when I left the band, I was in a bad way. Um, Were you still when, drinking? Yeah, I was drinking, and uh, I was looking for a way personally to find a better environment environment for myself a better yeah. situation i was i was hanging out with my brother Corey a lot we were we were writing songs we were brothers we we're always musically connected so we always wrote songs even throughout seven us career so he had this thing was starting off I, I was really loving the music at the time i was kind of in a in a very not what i want to say bored state with seven us at the time but i was just wanting something else and i wanted to play with my brother it was a very difficult decision for a man that was still struggling with alcoholism i didn't yeah. know how to just be honest with everyone and say listen i feel this i feel like i need to be creative with my brother i want to stay with seven us but i also want to do this and i just felt like you know and i wanted to do this other thing because there was two answers in there there was an answer to my creating my better environment that mm -hmm. i thought by some other guys that weren't you know really throwing it down as hard and then there was this one thing where i just wanted to try something new musically uh, with a new group of guys, you know, and and that was a uh, dark new day. dark new day. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. And so, so there was all that. So instead of just being honest and saying this is what I want to do, I was kind of like going under the radar, trying to do this stuff with dark new day, not be, not being very open with what I was doing. So that right there, you know, put some wrinkles in, and you know, put some tension between me and the seven of those guys. And then I made a decision. I was getting really bad. It was right after Dime got shot. And we were on a tour in the middle of December, and he got he got killed. And I, you know, selfishly in my alcoholism, I thought that was all about me. I was like, this is a sign that I need to play with my actual blood brother Corey. Yeah. And so that's when I I made the decision abruptly in that tour. I was in a bad way. I was drinking myself to death out on out on the road, and just left the tour because at the time I was scared. I was like, I don't know, I can't do this. I don't want to. I want to be with my brothers and. So I ended up making that decision, and that was raw. Put them in a bad position. They recovered and they got through it. And they had this guy come in, and then I, I went out and, and explored the dark new day thing, and quickly found out that that the problem with my alcoholism at the time, everything it wasn't what Seven Us was doing. It wasn't what anyone was doing. It was me. It was something that I I took the problem with me to dark new day. Yeah, because I I had a little bit of sobriety, went right back to drinking, kind of created a lot of tension within that band and that was that was an amazing project i loved every bit of doing that dark new day thing i don't regret it i don't regret leaving seven dust but i do regret how i handled some of those things you know, the one thing that bothered me about dark new day was that you weren't the lead singer i was <laughs> like if this dude's gonna leave because <clears throat> i think vocally i think you know i probably would say you're better than lejean but i do think you're as good a singer. oh man um <laughs> and i love your voice and i was like so it was like on that record, I would hear those riffs, those those fucking yeah. those like signature riffs, and I was just like, man, what? what get that motherfucker! Come on!
come on, make it on you the know, mic. It's funny because originally, originally, the, we did Brother, the first song, and I was the original singer. Yeah. I was the guy that was doing it, but I was incapable of just focusing enough to make them feel confident in me as a singer. Because it was a lot, you know, making that transition. It's easy to kind of go in the studio, track stuff, sound good, get yeah. it all edited up. It sounds good. Well, I've seen you live, man. You, 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 uh, you do that shit. You know what I'm saying? Is it, you, you're one of them golden throated motherfuckers. Thanks, man. You know? I'm like, God. It's like Leroy, yeah. That's what you always say, man. Uh, Leroy, but man. But um So yeah, that was um so so originally I was a singer. So but. something came to my attention recently that there's a third Lowry brother. Yeah. That I didn't so you is he is a younger brother? He's the youngest, and yeah. He, what is and he's a musician as well, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does he what does he play? He was uh he he was he's a singer essentially, but um that's his thing. He he sang better than Corey and I. I mean so, he, how did that never happen? He had a deal. He had signed with uh, no, no, the three of you together. Uh, how the did Lowry? Yeah, how yeah. did that never? We did. We tried one song together called Resistance, and it was probably one of the best things we ever ever did. We did it, you know, and it was just it was one of those situations where it never lined up because you know Corey was doing something, I was doing this other thing, but I always had a fascination with all of us. But doing you guys it. never had a band when you were like super young. Or no, anything? no, no. Dustin was a little. He was about four or five years younger. Okay. Corey and I went on the road right when I graduated high school, so there was always this thing where Dustin was doing his thing, and Dustin was always like proud. He wanted to do his own thing. Yeah. He wasn't like you know he didn't want to ride on any coattails. He mm -hmm. was like I'm gonna do my own thing. So, but you know that's one of the, that's one of the things in my in my career that I really wish I would have pushed more just to have us do something. So I have a vision, all right? Okay. This, is, this is me, all this is off the top. This is not something I thought about beforehand. So but just, you know, you guys are from, you guys are from, from down south, you know? You guys, you know, starting to have the, these like uh, gentlemanly beards, you know, starting to look real, real like <laughs> Like salt, everyone else on earth. Yeah, right salt, salt of the earth, you know? Like these, like these guys probably, you know, you know, know how to move lumber, yeah, you know, you we know, how to, you know, you know, you know we how to in the country, you know how to barbecue and shit. But here's what you guys should do. Here's <laughs> Sword fight. Do. Here's what you should do. You should, you know, when you guys get a little older and you know some of these bands are kind of on their last days, then you guys come together and then put do like a country thing. Do you, the three or like a blues thing, and then you're just like some old man. It's like the Lowry brothers coming through. Have yeah, you, have you seen the Lowry brothers? Man, these guys are badass. They're talking about America. They're talking about. Oh the, man, like, they're like, talking about. They're talking about their chopping wood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that shit'll go triple platinum, baby. Well, it's funny because like the old manager for Disturbed, man, he used to always say, "Man, the door is always open. You put the Lowry brothers together. I'm gonna do." It. And he was like, "Do the more of the southern rock kind of thing, which we are fans of, like the Almond yeah. Brothers." And but you thing. can do that forever. You can be an old man and yeah, still yeah. be Willie Nelson. Hell yeah. So yeah, so you just started it. You Listen, planted the so so now I'm gonna be the manager, all right? All right, man, let's do. I'll it. be the co-manager, all right? right? And I'll just be out there, <laughs> you know, like like Sam Elliott in that in the Stars Born. Absolutely, you know? I'll just yeah, be the yeah. other guy. I'll be like, listen, guys, we've got a really important gig, so I need all of you to really get your shit together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not get off the get off the the the, the uh, yeah the the black tar. Get off. <laughs> Here's get the, off I, all the dope. Here's the point. I think no matter what was going on, that would be a really cool thing. Because I, I think there is something about family. Yeah. Like yeah. you see with um, Greta Van Fleet, I think they have three brothers. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. that. In, in, in that band, you know, I played with my brother and that was a, a special connection. You can't really, you know, when you have that kind of talent. It's just, it's just interesting to me because usually you start together and it's just fascinating where you've only... As far as I know, Dark New Day, or maybe you play with your brother like back in the day. Yeah, I mean, I played with. We had another band called Steel Rain, Corey and I. But the thing that Dust with Dustin and I, we we had a very very tight musical connection. 
that we never really got to explore. Like percussive wise, he was a really good drummer. He he played drums as well. Yeah. So that was one of the things when we did do the one song. Dustin played drums. He was just a great singer. Are your parents musicians? Yeah, yeah. They're both music. They were musicians. My dad was. He played all the way to the bitter end, man. So, wow. you know. Uh, but we've always been, you know, able to communicate through the music and everything. And it's unfortunate it hasn't happened. But, you know, like, I, I'm going to step out this year and do my first, like, solo, actual solo record. Man. Well, you did the one record. Um, I literally was trying to think of the name. The I Call Me No One thing? Love that record. Thank man. you, man. Really cool. I did it with Morgan, you know. Yeah, why didn't you just call that? Clint Lowry just because it was more collaborative than that to be solo or yeah just... I, I didn't have any confidence in my name like I just wanted to, I was a huge always been yeah everyone knows Trent Reznor does everything you know yeah. he is that name but he has this name I, I I didn't feel like my name I wasn't going to call it Lowry in respect to my to my, my brothers I didn't want to you know take ownership of that name because they you know I if I was ever going to do just Lowry it would be them involved did you ever tour on that I did. I did like two weeks. We did. Yeah, actually, you know what? I did think I, I watched some live footage, but yeah, that that I was a huge fan of that record. Thank was, you, man. I was pump, pumping it up. So that was um, that was you know I did that. I did this acoustic thing called Hello Demons Meet Skeletons. That oh, yeah. was another thing. You know, it was kind of the solo thing, but not not fully. It was just acoustic bass. So this is this will be the first time I'm stepping out and actually using my name. Um, I'm gonna do it after the seven. I'm gonna record it this June. Mm. Uh, step out and uh, when the seven dust cycle slows down. You know, when that goes dark, then I'll, I'll release it. And so you're just one of those guys where you're just kind of a songwriting machine. Like you just you're just constantly working in things, ideas. And that's yeah. just how you are. I love music, man. Yeah. I, lo I really do. I love I love my, my happiest is sitting at home with with a laptop and my duet and just creating music and, and developing and working. I've been working with these other bands and just mm -hmm. every yeah, you've, you've been producing and co-writing right for, for yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in any opportunity, even young bands, bands that aren't really, you know, signed or to the bands that are signed. I've, you know, I did a couple with Godsmack and nothing more and otherwise and these different bands. Did and you I, do a song for the um, body count record? I, man, I, I submitted songs to yeah. that, and I was I was bummed. I did one. You did, yeah. So I was like, my song became like, a single too. So I was pretty. It pumped. did, dude. They close it. It's called Why We Ride. I love that. And song. Was sick was um, they they played the forum with Ozzy. Yeah, and they closed with it. No doubt. And I'm like, yo, that's crazy. So check this out, Aaron. <laughs> I I would send the songs. I would submit. I was like, man, it, it was like the, for the most part, the mo the most. I I really wanted the song there. Turn songs in. And uh, they would they would be like, man, T's just not feeling the song. And yeah, like be really honest with me. And so I like that kind of feedback. And I was just imagining Ice T like listening to my track. So I was trying to write these songs that I, that I would imagine. Then I heard the record and how heavy it was. Oh, so you were see, I, I was going the wrong direction. Yeah. So here's what I did. I I basically I already knew the previous record, um, Manslaughter. Yeah, which is sick. I listened really, to that too. Yeah, really good. And then I went back to listen to the first album. And yeah. I was like, all right. Let me try and do something that's kind of somewhere in the middle. So okay. I so I so the 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 main thing is this kind of groovy melodic thing, which is they do it like if you go back to kind of the older older days, that's what they do. So I, and then I brought this really kind of heavy heavy riff. There was a whole like thrash se section yeah. that they end up cu cutting out. Um, so I tried to bring that, bring some of the hardcore stuff in there. But um, but yeah, so I kind of just tried to get in that in that mind frame and I spent probably like four or five days on something and I didn't hear anything. I got zero feedback. I sent it and literally two months passed. And the next thing it's like, there's an email 
and it's like this is why we ride and I go in, and it's the song man that's incredible I had no idea that that, that it made the record that's cold blooded kind of man it let, let you hang like that but, but then but it's, here's, it's, it gets crazy so they sent it and then the next day Ice-T adds me on Twitter and starts like messaging me he's like this song is an anthem you killed again are I'm you like, serious dude yeah I was I was I was dang Pagan shit, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And then I got to meet him at the Loud Wire Awards, and he couldn't be co- nicer. Yeah, yeah. You know, so He's yeah, a legend, that was, man. Yeah, I, that was that was that was really cool. I love, but I, I I love that the. So you're the one to beat me out, man. <laughs> hey, man. That's racist, I don't know. Man. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry, man. Hey, man. That was a great song. I, I'm very happy for you, man. Oh, I didn't man. know you did that. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, they they change it a little. You know, yeah, a little of course. Bit, you know, but the, the the general idea is is essentially based off my composition. So thank you, thank you to them, thank you to Mike Gitter for for having me for that. So I actually want to kind of go go back a little bit. So I don't know if I've told this story. Um, God forbid, my old band. Part of our origin story. Is a show we played, or we actually didn't play with with Seven Dust. So back, okay. going, going back in the day, this is 1998. We had out our like a demo or like an EP or something. Yeah, we're yeah. still we're still very local bandish. You know, we're not really we weren't really that that great. And uh, so we were still like selling tickets to shows. You know, like I think we had we we had sold tickets to open up for Exodus at this one club called Obsessions, uh-huh. right? And we sold like 70 tickets for like the Exodus show, and we got a call. It's like, hey, do you want to open up for this band Seven Dust? And it was like not that um, long. Like I think the show was like three weeks away or something. So yeah, it was yeah. like maybe a last minute thing. And we were just like, oh, sure. And I, and I don't think we were that familiar with you guys. We just knew maybe we heard you on the radio or something. Yeah, SOU was kind of... Pun- yeah, 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 yeah. And um, so we we didn't really sell them. It was on a Wednesday. It was like yeah. on a weekday. We didn't sell. I think we sold maybe 20 or 30 tickets or something like that. And... Um, we go do this. We we go to the show, and, and it's funny. The first time I met Lejean was he was wearing this white testament hoodie, and he's in he's at a phone booth. Yeah, in front. yeah that's, a, that's and, a- and our <laughs> our little trick was like, yo, we're gonna sell tickets to people who are coming. Who are gonna already come to the show. So we're like, yo, you need a ticket to the you show. You asked LJ for a ticket. Yeah, we did. He was in a hoodie, so he couldn't. <laughs> we didn't know who he was. He was like, nah, well, no, nah, I'm, I'm playing the show, and he's like, I'm gonna save us. And it's like, oh yeah, we're we're open up. We're gonna open up for you guys. That's so. Great. The show happens, right? And this this venue was notorious for just the the guy who ran it, this dude Bill, was just a shady motherfucker, right? Uh-huh. And even though it was actually kind of a, kind of a cool club, but it was kind of in a weird like middle of nowhere kind of spot. Um, and the whole thing is they would just do these shows and then get all these local bands to sell yeah, 50, yeah. 60 tickets, and then it almost didn't matter if the show did did well because they were making the money anyway, right? So right, they'd sell her, but, yeah. 500 tickets and who knows, there's 200 people there. So anyway, um, so the, the, so basically what the guy says is like, you didn't sell enough tickets. You have to play after Seven Dust. Oh, that's great. Right? <laughs> and we're like, we're like, this this is some crazy ass shit. Like, what, what the fuck is going on, right? Late show. I mean, late. I think you guys went on to like, midnight yeah that's pretty common something crazy right yeah yeah so you get off and and we have been talking to lejean during and he actually so while you guys are getting ready to finish he's like definitely make sure you stay for god forbid to come up we assumed everyone leave anyway but we're like loading our gear on stage and they're like the the club was closed really yeah so that they let you believe you're going to play after us, and then they're shutting it down while you're willing it out. That's like, yeah, yeah. that must have felt great. No, but it, no. Was, <laughs> it was literally like the moment that was like, <laughs> you just want to do well yeah. to get revenge. 
yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was like this, this like uh, this this moment that sparked us that anger of like, like what the fuck? How can you fucking do that? So, well, what even making us play after you? It's like yeah, we yeah. still sold. Some that's tickets. just a weird. That's a weird chain of events. Yeah, man. it was it was really fucked up. But it's this kind of idea. I think that something negative that in the moment it feels really shitty can actually be the motivation to to move forward and did you do associate no like any resentment did you no, have any resentment no, to us no not at all because Good. i know you guys because everyone knew this guy sucked you knew it was him yeah you yeah. know um but and, you could have still seen our name for a while and be like man man it reminds me of this real painful well, experience. Well, no here's so here's what happened because i wasn't that familiar with you guys yeah i watched the show and it was it it was also life-changing from that perspective because I had never heard a band like you guys but before. But y'all were so heavy, though, man. But we, we were still... We, we didn't have any credibility with a real heavy crowd. But that's my point, is that I had we I was not in the more kind of... We, I, we were in the hardcore scene. So we were playing with death metal bands and crazy, yeah, yeah. weird, noisy, know. you know, just off-the-wall shit. And I just never... At that time, I had never heard a band that sounded like you guys that was that heavy yeah, yeah. and had that many hooks and... Just like I said, you guys looked like superheroes. Everyone was jacked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> motherfuckers was moving around. I wasn't jacked back then. I was then, jacked, but yeah. I wasn't jacked like but, on a health tip. But I'm just saying, but LJ, that motherfucker looked like he was in the NFL he, or something. He did, man. He did. He you was know? like ridiculous, man. Was you like, know, he but, was an Adonis. But what I'm saying is that that was your first record. Yeah, yeah. Right? And um, you guys seemed so fucking polished, you yeah. know, as a, as a band in terms of just playing great great tones you guys had your look was down everyone moved in a certain way that seemed that was cultivated like were you guys just already that good when you met each other or did how did how did it get to that point where it's your first record and it just seemed like you guys have been around for 10 years already I mean, I, from a professionalism standpoint, I mean, know, honestly speaking, we felt we felt very insecure. Like our first trips to New York, we'd see these bands. I was like one of the first bands I ever saw was Skate Nigs, man. And these other what band, are they called? Skate Nigs. I don't even know that. Yeah, some weird punk band, but there, man, it was an unbelievable. It was like it was. I think it was what was the church. The venue that used to be an old church. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, the limelight. Limelight. So uh, we went and saw these uh, a bunch of sh bands there, and they were just like the coolest of cool bands. And they're just like artsy. Everyone was like the, just like the hippest looking person in the world. And we're walking around. We're like we felt very like country. We felt behind the ball. We didn't have. We didn't feel like a very cool band. Lejean was our like our man. He was the guy that made us look cool and feel yeah. cool. We just kind of hid behind him. So we always felt insecure, man. Like, but we musician wise, Morgan Morgan, I think his agenda was get together put together a band of people that like each other first and then and then everyone can play yeah. and hold it down and i've, I've been i was i was a pretty seasoned player because i played covers for many years and this other original band it was like they that actually seven dust used to open up for so how old were you when like seven dust kind of really came together i joined the band i was 24 25 years old okay so like not too young where you're like yeah you're yeah. still a you're a grown-up that yeah, well, everyone else. I mean, you know, those other guys are like seven years old, so they were like thirty when we started. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm joking, man. Really? I don't know. Seventy? No. Oh no, you said seventy. I thought you said thirty. I thought you said thirty. At least no, said seven. No. I thought you said seven years older. Oh yeah, yeah. I got you, man. No, no. I was. Uh, no, we always joke around about being old, but we were. I mean, I guess as far as a band being signed, I mean, we, we were a little older than your average band, maybe twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Yeah, but that's I, good. I feel like you yeah. have. You're a little more. 
like Lamb of God was kind of the same. They were a little older when they got a record deal, and so when you appreciate it, you can handle it. Yeah, you can maybe just, a little better. Yeah, yeah, you're like me. I got a record deal. I was nineteen. Like, I don't yeah, know, yeah. I know what the hell was going on. We tried. I mean, we really tried when we were younger, and I think it was a blessing that we that we had a little bit more. Uh, humble pie and we just got rejected a little bit so by the time we did get any traction we were real we still had our guard up we signed with tvt we didn't even realize we were like man is this even real but that still? was the label basically they were dining channels was on tvt yeah correct? that's why that's one of the reasons kmfdm yeah. a lot yeah. of industrial bands yeah, they had a lot of cool bands um, no, nothing face was on TVT. nothing face yeah. yeah i love nothing face but um yeah that was like that we we the first you know time we met them, I went and looked at you know what bands they had. That was always the thing you did. You see the label, and then you're like, "What bands?" So that gives you the little credit. Even though Trent had long, he'd been he was out. Yeah, he well, had they, that well, big fight. Well, yeah, they you've watched the documentary yeah, right? yeah, yeah. where he talks about the whole kind of how they they, got, Gottlieb, scoop, they yeah. got scooped up. You know that shit's crazy. Yeah, the Defiant ones. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Um. So you no, know, because I'm, you know, you guys are really one of my favorite bands. Like one of the bands I've seen. You guys more than any band I haven't toured with. Like just I've physically gone to to, to more shows. Yeah, yeah. Part, partly due because you were playing the, the Starland every every six every, months. Every, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we came to your front doorstep. But yeah. I went. But I went. I went every 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 time and every um you know, you know, so you guys are just a very Im, Im, important band to me. And so in a way, when you have like a band like that's my fuck. Especially be, being able to play with you guys, even though we didn't play, but see you really early on before. Yeah. Because there was, I think that show was maybe. 200 300 people it wasn't like yeah, some massive was, crowd but it didn't matter it seemed to me it seemed like it was it was yeah. just insane i was like yo this band is gonna be the shit you know and um but anyway you know what what i look what you guys are doing on those those early records it just seemed ahead of the curve in terms of the rhythms the grooves uh vocally what was ha what was happening the, the kind of like say you guys are kind of like a they say as they say a five-star band like you can kind of cover all the bases right you can do an acoustic song yeah you can yeah. do a really fucking heavy song um everyone is does background vocals and harmonies you guys yeah. can kind of kind of do, do all the stuff and i think you just made these really special unique records and you know and, and to me the record that should have been the multi-platinum number one was animosity right that's my like i was just like this is a perfect fucking album i think it's the best production you guys ever had sure yeah the, the time for, just for sure just every, every fucking song on that and i'm like and then so i started to see what's going on with that and i'm just like so what's going on was is it because i mean you, you have gold records but yeah, the, yeah then you have bands like disturbed coming out and they're selling five yeah. million records and then you have godsmack coming out and they're selling three million records and i'm like i feel like those bands are doing a version of that but not as cool to me you know yeah. um maybe that's it maybe maybe we always we always joke around about it but maybe they're you know i i believe that we love disturb we love all those bands yeah. that they're all brothers of ours and we we're happy about it there, but there's something about the element that 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 disturb took from what we do and they were they always say we they credit us they say man we, you guys gave us a little bit of inspiration so I believe that there's a rhythm, uh, there's a certain groove that people were playing that Disturbed incorporated it in their sound. And then Draymond has this whole different thing, which I, ju I just think that with us, it was it, because it was unique, because Lejean had this very soulful element, because you have these different vocals popping in and out. I, I think that as far as a mass appeal, I think that that was a hiccup for us, man. I think that people just musicians loved it and other and people like it when they see it live, but it never translated in at full mass you know, like just everyone buying into it, the, the single that everyone knows the words to. I think we just were always a little left to center to that. 
And that while it's given us a steady career, it never we never hit those those high points that some of those other bands that really like disturb they connect with those mass the mass you know audience that. But were, do you, do you think it was the label not having the resources or pushing the band in in in, in the right way? Like if you guys would have been on Roadrunner or maybe um a, a major that it could have done a little bit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. There was so much more. I feel like oh, com- man, there's, competition. I mean, it's it's a lot easier for me over the years. What's made it an easier pill to swallow as far as what should have happened? Well, I mean, I, we've heard so many times, man. You guys should have been bigger than you were. This and that. We loved blaming it on labels. We loved yeah. blaming it on that. But at the end of the day, I think we had as much exposure as everyone else. Our records went into the same stores yeah. as all those other bands. I don't think we got cheated in that way. I think, I mean, there's always a promotional tool, maybe some juice that these other labels had that TVT didn't utilize, maybe. Would that have pushed us into the stratosphere? I, I don't know. Because to me, again, it's like we didn't hit those high peaks, but we have had this at least this this really strong connection with our fan base that yeah. we have today, you know? Well, no, it's funny. Like you guys on, on, on the ship, it's like, I feel like you guys are like the mayor. <laughs> but there's five of you the five mayors like yeah, like, yeah, everyone, yeah. like we were doing the muster and Lejean walks in with his wife and then there's like a round of applause I'm like they didn't do that when I showed up like, yeah 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 man <laughs> I don't do it I do it either man how many, how many times that around with how him. many times have you guys done this man we've done eight, eight this times. is eight times it's done it's been ten years so we've missed two that's crazy since the start so I'm saying you're like the house band we are the house band <laughs> yeah yeah I mean we don't know if that's cool but we feel I, I feel like it's fun we get on here we're a personable band we, we love people is we we don't feel none of us have any any type of persona that requires us to be mysterious or yeah or to have some sort of a image we got to keep we, we walk around with the same people on stage as we are off really for the most part you know no I, I've, I've noticed that because you guys would do the meet and greets i saw where basically it's just a hang or you just everyone's yeah. just hanging out chilling you know and uh you know because some people talk and there's so much you know, because now the kind of the, the the meet and greet, VIP meet and greet is something most bands do now. Sure. And I know for a lot of bands, it's it's pulling teeth. They don't they don't really enjoy don't it. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, because but, but I I kind of realized this uh, because that didn't really exist when I came up. Like, sure. no, no one, I don't think anyone would have fucking paid to meet, God forbid, but yeah. <laughs> or at least more yeah. paid for something like that. Or maybe a couple of people. But it was something I, I never experienced. And as it's kind of evolved, I, I kind of realized that. Well, yeah, it can be weird and awkward if you make it up. Like it's it's your exactly. job to kind of make them comfortable, right? And kind of put them at ease and say, "Hey, guys, we're just hanging out." Yeah, you know, um, absolutely, man. You know, and um, and I I just always love that, and you can tell with you guys, it's like, you know, your consistency of you know how you've kind of maintained and you know just had this really long career, and you just know that your fans are not. Like oh we kind of like seven dust like no people that like seven dust love seven dust they're lifers yeah there's a lot man there's a lot of people who've done seventy five hundred plus shows that's a lot that's a lot of times that they've come to a venue parked paid for merchandise paid for tickets do that I mean I was talking to this guy the other day you know and he said I'd seen seventy one shows and I was just like man he was a financial advisor you know and I was like man break it you're a money guy break it down how many times how much money that is you know and I can't. He's like, thanks for being nice to me. And I was like, man, I said, you you put so much time and energy in our band. And there's bad days, like everyone has those mm-hmm. bad days. But when when someone approaches us, and I know that they've seen that many shows, or if they've seen one show, it's like, man, just take that second. And it's hard sometimes because some people really take advantage of our nice, 
you know, the way we are to people, people, some people take advantage of that. You know, yeah. they'll, they'll just steamroll over. They try to well, come up on the buzz. They try to do all well, this. What's the word? Shit. You know, the, the word, right? Punisher. Punisher. Yeah. 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 So this I is. I feel bad saying the Punisher, but it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. Listen, no, no. See, <laughs> this show is educational, quasi educational. And then we're, we're going to tell you guys what I've probably talked oh, about. Why it. do I got to be on the episode where we explain Punishers? No, man. because <laughs> this is me. I'm going to tell you, this is, this, I'm not, don't, let's not hold Clint responsible at all for this. All right. I'm going to explain it. And I've actually explained this to, to, to friends. Like sometimes you'll have like, you'll, you have friends backstage and they'll want to, oh, I'm like, yo, chill out. Yeah, Here's yeah. what you do when you're back here. You just act like you've been here before. Right. And don't act like a super fan back here. Just act, just treat, guess what? They're just people. Yeah. Just talk talk about normal stuff. Don't be like, I love you and this, and take yeah, the yeah. picture. Just, 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 just <laughs> chill out. You know, because that's, that's what I try and explain. You know, a lot of times I think people don't get it is that we put kind of people on a pedestal, you know. Yeah. And we do it, the people like I've, you know, talked about this. Us as musicians, even though we're kind of, you know, had some success, we're also fans of other people. So there's definitely people I get around, I'm like, I, I get shook. Thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think we all we all have that idea of being starstruck or intimidated. But I but the thing I've learned is it's almost the the empathetic way to look at it is is how would I want to be treated is that, to just You're right. Just treat me like a human being. Don't, you know, I can't like I, I you probably get this. What do you like if I'm like out like watching the show from like the soundboard? What are you doing out here? I'm like I'm watching the show. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah. What are, like yeah, yeah. Oh, I, we, I was doing the other other night watching Tremonti. It's the same thing, man. It's like man, I can't believe you're out here. I'm like, what do you mean? What you can't believe I'm not watching the show? You know, and <laughs> experiencing like a rock show. Like you, what do you want to do? Hide in the yeah. like and just like trust me. I say this backstage. There's nothing. There's cool nothing happening. going on, man. You know, and even if it is, it's like you know, I, I think too, man. It's like. You're talking about VIP and that whole experience, or like you know, one thing that makes me uncomfortable, and it, it, it's uh, it's compliments. It's the, it, people saying, you know, I, I've loved your band this long, and it, and it, it moves me, but I I never know how to react to it because I feel very, especially when they're really throwing it on. And my dad, my dad was a musician. He's the he's the laugh about. It. It was one of the funniest things he ever said. He said, "You ever find out that people just keep telling you over and over?" While you're standing there, I mean, I love the show. It was great. You're like, thank you, man. No, man, you don't understand, man. I really, really love the show, man. I'm like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Man. You don't know how to say thank you. Well, could I, can I, can I, get, can I give you the, uh, I think, because I have a philosophy around this. All right, what is it? Is that essentially why certain people are bad with compliments, or I think you and I are, is that from someone who enjoys conversation, and a, and a great conversation is like bouncing a tennis ball, right? Um Oh, being over complimentary is basically like hitting a tennis ball off a mountain. Absolutely. It doesn't come back, right? It's it's very it does not kind of um move the needle for me intellectually and kind of emotionally because it's something you the thing is you I think you have, A, you have to be gracious enough just to accept it and say, Thank you so much. I, that that yeah, means a lot to me. But then you have to move on to something else, right? It, and, and it's like if they're saying that and it's like, okay, I I appreciate that support, but now what did you have for dinner? Yeah. Like like or like what what do you like to have an actual conversation? It's hard. And me as a fan, if I ever were to meet Trent Reznor or someone that I love it would be hard for me not to tell him all those things about his music, but the uh, the last thing I would probably do would, would be explain, uh, talk to him how much I love him. I would probably talk about, man, hey, man, when you, you know, you circ I would like some weird question, like, are you circumcised or like just something to catch him off guard just so he would be like, okay, we're going to have a regular conversation. Just, and then kind of reach into how much the music affected me. But 
you know, I, I for me, it's just we really like asking people, man, how are you doing, man? Where do you live? Yeah. What, what kind of work you do? You know, and just so you can have that. If in a true VI experience, a VIP experience to me is when you actually those people walk away and like, man, we actually just talked. Yeah, we really connected. You know, and as corny as that may sound, I really try to do it. I don't. Like, you know, go over those, that first initial, hey, man, I love the band. Cool. Thank you so much for the support, man. What, you know, why are you doing here? Do you live close to here? This and that. And we try to get a real communication going so they remember that. Yeah. As opposed to them saying a couple things. Sometimes people think that I don't, I'm not appreciative of the, you know, the compliments. The, the compliments. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's just, I just don't know what to say sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, Thank it's, you, you know, it's, it's, it's not the easiest thing. And I think, you know, Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I do like the shadows. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles. The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. I don't think it overstates things to say that the Beatles were the greatest gift to entertainment and culture of our time, a secular religion, if you will, with their universal appeal and demonstrable impact on people's lives. I'm Robert Rodriguez, host of Something About the Beatles. With every episode, I speak with historians, musicians, artists, and Beatle witnesses, all in the service of fresh insights into the most joyous cultural entity the world has ever known. I hope you'll join me and listen to Something About the Beatles, now at Evergreen, and wherever you get your podcasts. In, in a weird way, you know, you know how, how if you call your if you if I say I'm humble, in a weird way, that's me not being humble. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. <laughs> like so, so just kind of re- reflecting that. But it's, I think in 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 many ways for, for someone like me, I'm always looking at the people who I think are great as musicians or or players or technicians, and so I always feel like, man, I'm. I'm struggling. Like I'm like in every show is like trying to climb a mountain, right? Sure, like, yeah. like for, for me, like, all right, I have this part I'm kind of struggling with, or this mm-hmm. note that I'm a little flat on and I need to work on and and just there's all these all these little things. So I never see myself as that guy. And I think in a lot of ways it seems like you're very similar to that. Whereas like me, I think about you and I'm like, that's a bad motherfucker right there. Well, that's why I, I, I watch <laughs> you like all these riffs and stuff you'll do or whatever, and I watch it and I we 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 know the flaws of the show. I, I know when someone says that was a great show, I know and deep down, this didn't go off. This was off. I didn't sing there. I wasn't I wasn't into this tonight or this and that. So deep down, I guess on a on a very subconscious level, I know 
I don't. I just. I don't agree with them on yeah. some point. Like, like, yeah, yeah, you say it was a good show. I don't think it was a good show. I don't yeah. think that was a good record. I yeah. don't think that was a good. Yeah. So like, there's a part of me that sometimes like I don't. I, you know, and then like, it's always like the what show we think is the worst is ever, what the most people come up at night and say, man, that was an incredible show. And I, yeah. I think I scientifically think that show sucked. Well, I think, but it's sometimes it's uh it's just the comparative nature and the the repetition, right? So we're playing every day, and as you're getting better and tighter on a tour, the mistakes become more apparent because there's less mistakes. Sure. Yeah. As you're getting tighter, it they burn. It's like, fuck. Or I have, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll have this, this idea. I was listening to uh, this drummer, Dave Elitch, talk about what repetition does to your brain yeah. is that your brain actually hates doing the same thing over and over again, right? So what it'll do is you've been playing the same song every day and doing the same motion. You'll actually start playing things worse because it just wants to fucking do something different. Yeah, yeah. And it like and so you'll you'll have these so I feel like on a tour it'll like I'll peak kind of like in the middle and then you're towards the end I'll start playing things worse. Yeah. Because yeah. you're just it's interesting. You know, and and so there's this it's this kind of weird thing and and yeah, and just or I've had this thing too. I'll do a show and I'm like, "Man, that fucking I blew this part." And then I'll see a video of that show like 6 months later and I can't hear the thing that I thought was so bad the music, say, yeah. yeah like it's to you it's the biggest thing but because you're in it you're in and, it, and yeah, there's yeah, an yeah. emotion connected to it but the truth is basically no one noticed unless it's a, a huge flub where you like stop a song or you, you know, yeah your voice an obvious derailment of the of the track you yeah know, it's funny too we, we've we've played songs for you know some songs 20 years the evolution that happens within those songs like we go back and play some of these older songs recently we do these anniversary shows and the version that that we do now it's like these little tiny changes we do even to the arrangements start changing yeah. like there's a version of praise the original version of praise on the record we we took out like an entire section of the bridge like you know just naturally okay we, we made some sort of a mistake in the arrangement and then it just kind of became that the the actual version which is supposed that's what how it should be man. it's wild it's like you know these like the way that i was playing a guitar riff or like a layer it changed from what i was doing in 98 now because like you said I, my brain hates the repetition i'm like started adding these weird delays and just anything to keep me interested in the song you have to and i think that's you know it's something like i kind of you know i know at bad wolves we've done that with a handful of parts where it's just Hey, let's. Oh, we weren't palm. Let's palm you this because the to the toms are doing that, or yeah, yeah, or you know, let's you know, even like almost rewriting a riff slightly, and then you go back to the record, like, oh shit, I forgot. That's how that's how it was. So, and God forbid, we would do that shit all the time because our old songs, we just, I think we're poor at arranging songs. So we're like, this song's too long. Let's just Dude, we had some we would weird do ass arrangements back in the day. I'm like, you know, where it wasn't clever either. It wasn't like the ones. Oh man, that's unique. It was just this is a stupid arrangement, man. You know, <laughs> it was just didn't make any sense. Well. One of the things about you guys I've noticed is that um, you guys do, seems like you do records pretty regularly. Like you don't you always don't go like three or four years without yeah, yeah. without a record. What's the thought process behind that? Is it more just you know make, time to make the donuts, or is it or is it you know just that how you guys like to work? Uh, I I think in the beginning it was a pressure thing from the label. Like let's let's keep some momentum, and then it was. Um, you know, we, we need to make a living. We need yeah. to do this. We knew the cycles, you know, we, we were really anxious to play. And then it became a thing where we, there was a, there was a few years and the, and the uncomfortable years where we had to go do a record yeah. to survive, yes. Yes. to keep like a, you know, like a shark swimming that has to move to eat. 
that was that was an uncomfortable era for the band and now we, we take a little bit more time but we're so conditioned to doing records every two years that even when, like we took a long time before this last record came out for us it was about a year and mm -hmm. you know in terms of like the cycle ended we went and recorded the record you know there was an entire year between that so we that that seemed like a long time only because we're just conditioned to doing records a lot I love it, it, waiting two years. I, that's why I do these other projects because I just don't want to wait two years to create yeah. anything. And some bands love that, that, you know, they, they let the creative juices build up and then they do a record, but I like to just continue. I feel like it's something I need to work on all the time. But yeah, I, I, by the way, I, I love the last record is one of my, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite records of the year. Um, I, I love that you guys just keep kind of developing new, new wrinkles to things. And, yeah. Cause you guys have, a vibe in terms of like, all right, here's our grooves. You use there's certain like kind yeah. of chord progressions and uh and scales that are very like, oh, that's the seven dust yeah, like little yeah. you know man you yeah, know yeah. major major thing. There's our move and and it's also one of these things I, I've noticed that you're you're one of these bands where the influence that you guys had almost took this like f almost like five or six years from you know when like well, like those those early years where all of a sudden you're like oh shit because it bled into this the metalcore scene so you had bands like bury your dead yeah you had, you had all even you know a band like us or um you know uh howard's band light the torch you, if you're that record there's yeah. a lot of seven dust on we're there. gonna do a couple of, uh some shows with those that's, guys that's great i might i'm actually gonna be doing a tour tour with them as well but with another project i can't i can't mention okay yet. i like i like secrets actually you know what probably by the time this this comes out it'll be i'm, I'm playing with mark morton from yeah. Lamb, Lamb of God and his solo. I, I love, yeah, man, that's incredible. Man. I'm happy for him, man. Yeah, he, like, he, the record's The stuff really I heard cool. is great. Yeah, it's fucking badass, but Light the Torch is on that. So it's, how is that kind of, how does that feel where in some ways you're, we can say, oh, well, you guys should have been bigger or this band got a little more credit, but within our world, your kind of shadow seemed to affect a lot. You know, there's like a thing. There's like, even there was a, I swear to God, I was listening to like one of the like newer Breaking Benjamin songs. I'm like, that motherfucker, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I better send them a sandwich, motherfucker. <laughs> I need my cut, man. <laughs> where nah. it's, it's like where there's like, oh, you're doing the Seven Dust thing. Yeah, Like yeah. where you guys have a fucking, that influence, how does that feel to just, I mean, do you hear it? I, I, I do, every now and then I'll hear it. And then, but you know, part of me is like, well, where did we get it, man? And, I, and then I look back at Pantera. Pantera is like the one, first one to introduce the heavy, like a groove, like it was a groove section yeah. between Diamond, Vinny, man, you know. So there was like their how they affected us. I think you know, and there was the corn thing too, man. They had this like there was there's, there's funk in this this heavy music. Yeah. There's an actual groove in that, and I love that because I'm like that's Lejean is going to do great. Oh, on top of it's all rhythm and, and so all these like some of these prog bands that I hear they they give us some props and I'm yeah. like I can't believe because what to me it's like. It's like there's a guy that you know carved a wheel and put a stone wheel on a car, you know, like, like made the wheel. But they these guys took it to the stratosphere. But no, but to me, from from coming from the like metal, what what do you call the hardcore scene, metalcore, yeah, new wave, American heavy metal, you guys came out of the quote unquote new metal scene or that yeah, yeah. that group. But in a way, to all of us, Seven Dust was always the quote unquote like the cool. It was the new metal band. It was cool, okay to like. Okay, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah, for yeah. all us, it was like every time you talk to like you like seven doesn't be fuck yeah because yeah, yeah, because yeah. you guys were just as heavy as to me the heaviest bands in in our world. Yeah, you know, and you brought the energy of a of you know 
of a really fucking heavy band. Like it didn't like you could guys could play with Hatebreed or Slipknot. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and, and it's there's no difference in the intensity. You know, despite being maybe a little more melodic or a little more easy to listen to to, yeah. to certain degrees. You know, I, I think man, at the end of the day, there's like a, there's a sincerity to what it is what we do, and even in the heavy community, I think that's really what they want you to do. That, that they're looking for that weakness of like you don't believe this shit. You don't you don't really care. Their intensity to me is you know the heavy is just the intensity of how you deliver that music and we would get up there and we're like man we'd be playing with these really heavy bands slayer and or you just, just did the sounds of the underground right yeah 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 i mean it was like very intimidating crowds but we just go out there and just look people in the eyes man and just be like you know we try to be heavy in different ways throwing water bottles at them and just trying you know to be what, as aggressive no, as they no love about you guys that's what i was saying with you guys being like y'all motherfuckers just look like grown yeah. ass <laughs> men come up there you know what i'm saying yeah. you saw john the motherfucker was lifting cinder blocks and yeah, shit yeah, 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 you know yeah. what i'm saying Vinny up there just fucking looking like he'll fucking slap you yeah. upside the head. Vinny really is just he's carved out of steel, man. He's an old yeah, he's just an old tough dude, man. But that's what I'm saying. It's kind of if you had some like four foot twelve motherfuckers up there, like with like ties on, it's easy to like boo. You yeah, know what I'm saying? But, yeah, yeah. but no matter, <laughs> but you motherfuckers come up there. It's like, well, it's like yo, these 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 dudes will. You don't want to see these dudes in a dark alley. Oh yeah, <laughs> well we had no choice, man. You know, we playing. We were getting all kinds of like some racist shit. I mean, just all kinds yeah. of. Lejeune's no, he does never back down from that stuff. You know, like from the crowd, from the crowd, yeah, man. We yeah. had some real. I mean, they're not. You know, am amazingly. We haven't had many of those things, but we've had a couple times, man, to release some skinheads out in the crowd or something like real aggressive extremists, you know, of, of some sort attacking us. But it's always a very small yeah, it's, percentage. It's and idiot. it's just, you know, it's one guy and they usually get trampled by the crowd. Yeah. So there's always been, thank God, you know, there's that we haven't hit too many of those. Have Have you ever had, to, to sometimes with God forbid, it was the same thing. It was like people were like, man, you guys should have been bigger. You should have been that. Yeah. And, like, and they'll be like, so do you think you're not bigger because of? the black <laughs> don't even bring that up man because i mean because you know there's I, you know and I, i'm half native american i'm like did they did they smell that too you know yeah. i don't know man but yeah i mean there, i think there is a I, it would be I, I don't know man maybe maybe because it's rock culture right you know you got all these there's some people that are in the middle middle nowhere that really they they'll see what lejean throws down and, and his persona and the charisma and some of them man they don't know how to accept that because well, he because his like he's real you know provocative singer man like he'll be we'll be doing some heavy stuff and he's kind of dancing oh dude yo his sells it dude this move this is great here's what i love about lejean man and i and i reference <laughs> this shit all the time because when i first saw lejean he would do the thing where he would he would hold the mic on the mic stand right yeah 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 and then he would like and his arms would be out and he would like push forward like a very like kind of Jonathan Davis-esque kind of yeah. groove, right? Then he cut his dreads, right? And he had that little mini fro yeah, and yeah. he was wearing this like... There's seasons record. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, and he was wearing this like brown fucking i don't even know he looked like he was just like the ladies man from that, yeah, from, yeah, that movie, yeah, yeah. from that movie you know from snl yeah, yeah yeah and he had this little fro and so he couldn't really do that move because there was no hair to move around yeah, he didn't like that he yeah didn't like that. so what this motherfucker and this was the greatest you guys were playing hammerstein ballroom with uh with il nino and it was fucking one of the sickest shows and he goes right on the barricade and he starts doing this basically like a james brown move where he's like I see. I, I'm saying this so no one can actually see it. I have to. I have to, I yeah, have to show yeah. it. But it was. I'm like, yo, this motherfucker he has, has new <laughs> moves, dude. But think about it, like as like because you probably think because you're a guy who who likes to like actually move and like yeah, rock yeah. out and feel the music, and you want to in a way 
people don't really think about it from that perspective. But I know for me is I want to actually move with the music in a way that feels expressive, almost in the way you're playing is expressive. Absolutely, yeah. Right? I, I totally relate. So, and it's so, you know, and, and for for for, the, for rock and metal and stuff, it's the same moves, right? It's the windmill. It's the same, it's yeah, the yeah, fuck, yeah, yeah. They invented, they brought out the crab core. There's all these different things, right? But to see a motherfucker have some new moves, I was like, it's hard to get new moves. Is, he I'm brings like, them out, man. I'm like, like this damn. is the coolest motherfucker of all <laughs> He did, and he didn't never give a shit either, man. Like he 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 never backed down. And I, again, it was like sincerity, man. Because he would do that, and I'd see some guys be a little puzzled. Like, <laughs> what is like? Because they're like, he's like LJ's yeah. kind of moving a little sexy, you know. And the, and the guys in the front row would be like, man. And they're all trying to be hard head, rivet head guys, you know. And, and they're like, man, you could see them just like get a little confused about it. But LJ's just he didn't he didn't care. He just did it because that's what he felt. Gotta and take then, that stick out of your ass, buddy. Yeah, man, he don't. Yeah, but you're right here. He's gonna do it right in front of you. Oh, it's I, great. I, I, I'm wildly entertained by watching people have that put in their face, and then they just accept it because, like, man, they love the heavy groove, but they're like, man, this guy's dancing in front of me. I'm confused because I love the heaviness, but this guy's making me feel a certain way. So it's like to me, I, I love watching LJ do that. He never changes, man. He does his thing. And so when is is he gonna be? So I'm probably gonna get him on the show too. He actually asked me. He's like, "When are you gonna get me on the podcast?" I'm like, "Whenever you want, motherfucker." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know Y'all would be great together. Man. Oh, it's Y'all it, be cutting it's, up. It's 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 the best. But I feel like you know, like when is he gonna just become? He's gonna put the band down. He's gonna become a preacher. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I feel like that's next. He's the, that's what his natural gift is just is preaching the gospel, baby. Yeah. That's what he's doing every day on stage, anyway. He does. It has a, he has <laughs> that, that that vibe to him, man. I mean, I think that's good. But I would go to that church every week. You know I would what I'm too. get filled with the spirit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even religious, man. Yeah, I, you know it's funny, man, because he does have that. He does, you know, he, he he especially when his voice starts breaking up and stuff. It's yeah. like almost a, you know emotional, and I'm like, oh man, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm getting ready, you know, because he is very. You know, and he's always been good like that. You know, sometimes I just think that, you know, I don't know, he just gets caught up in the, in the emotion of what it is and it just naturally starts having that, that preacher. Like, because I'm old school. I go to the, the old church was like very passionate. Yeah. You know, Especially so I was Southern thought, church. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so that, and, and the Native Americans, man, it was kind of the same as like, you know, you got this like really soul, great church songs and they're all singing with all the soul and, and gospel. And, you know, so I come from that school. So like, you know, when he gets in that mode, I like it. You know, yeah. it's cool. So we kind of we're kind of going in in and out of this uh but what brought you back to the band? And I'm sure there's a question you've been asked a million times too. Actually, let me even actually before we get to that. Um you're out of the band, you're doing something else. What what did it feel like not being Clint from Seven Dust for a while? Man, um you know, I was always, I, I watched every move they made. Like I was very, because when I left and the way I left, there was a lot of, I had this guilt. So I never would tell the story. Like I was, I, they were mad at me. They had a couple songs they wrote about me and stuff. And I was really painful to, to watch. Just because I, they felt like you like abandoned them? Yeah. And I, and there was another side to that story. The way that they, had, they were to me when I was really struggling, I don't feel like they were very supportive and they, I never brought that to light because I just owned my side of what what I did. I didn't want to publicly talk about how I, I, I felt mis, you know, how I felt abandoned by them as mm-hmm. friends, as brothers. So I, you know, I but you know I've expressed that this to end, to them. It's not a big deal now. But I never made a, a point to just publicly go at it. So I just did my thing, stayed in my lane, watched them. They have these songs that that are about me. But I really dug the song, so I just kind of accepted it. I'm like, I knew this was going to happen because that's what they do. You know, it's what we do. And um, 
So I followed them. I was a huge fan of what they did. I supported it. I would talk to Morgan every now and then. I never talked to any of the other guys for a long time. And me and Morgan would occasionally run in, you know, and I had actually wrote them. Uh, I actually talked to him on the phone one time when it when I was like, man, I'm taking a lot of heat. There's some people threatening me because these songs you wrote, they're like taking a lot. They're taking a side. They're supporting Seven Dust and they're yeah. against me. And even though the Dark New Day thing got a lot of love from the Seven Dust fans and stuff, it was still... I was always going to be, I, I, that was going to be a hard thing to shake. I think there was some momentum that me being from Seven Dust helped Dark New Day kind of excel a little faster than just say a band out of nowhere. Of course. So you guys were a major, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to Warner, Warner Brothers. But, um, and uh, so, I mean, the, there was, I, I never turned away anyone that would address the Seven Dust thing. I was never one like, oh man, this, well, I don't care about that. I'm going to write that entire chapter off because it wasn't about that. You know, but um, I I I I miss them every day I was gone, and and being on the outside is probably the best thing because I appreciate things about the band, the formula that we are, the brothers that we are. I appreciate being away from that and hitting the lowest bottoms that I did. I hit a lot of bottoms, man, without those guys. Did um, did you ever have an identity crisis like without this band? Who am I? With uh, am I gonna be able to make a living? Oh man, I I, I, I went out with Corn for a while. It's probably the yeah, roughest year was, of my life. I was man. gonna I was gonna ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I literally forgot about it, and then as you say, I'm like, oh, he fucking played with Corn during this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So did they? All right. So this is so I have a lot of feelings about this this Corn when they were getting like other guitar players playing because yeah, they, it's heavy, they, it's they, a heavy they be putting motherfuckers in masks you know what I'm oh, saying yeah, yeah, they yeah. have you backstage they have you out in a bus playing remotely via At Skype yeah, yeah yeah you know and I'm like yo man <laughs> hey dog because I'm like yo man this is Clint Lowry alright you could not put Clint Lowry in a mask you can't put this motherfucker behind some shit put that motherfucker in the front of the stage alright yeah 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 give the motherfucker <laughs> mic he'll put some harmonies on that shit man so, so the way did they put you in the mask no I never did the mask I did they, they, they put like you on paint. that paint they did the I was on the, the Goo 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 Girl come stand. on come on listen I was, I'll man. find head today and I'll be like yo man <laughs> you should give them eight demerits let me explain man but I'm saying for some other motherfucker yeah yeah that yeah. ain't you I'm like okay if, if it's some dude that no one really knows but it's like it's not like corn fans don't not know you I, you know what man it was know. weird when my perception of it when, I, when monkey first hit me up i was like pulling my life together it hit me up i was living in kentucky at the time hey man you want to play some songs with corn on this next record or like man it's my opportunity to pull my life back together so i was like really blown away i said man i said just curious man are y'all gonna do are you still doing the play behind the the curtain kind of thing or you want me to be a part of this thing he's like no what you we kind of want you to kind of be in that position i'm like no one's gonna ever be head i understood that going in but you know i was like all right cool man so i my perception was oh i'm gonna go do this and i'm gonna be just like kind of in this thing i loved i learned the songs i was super into it i got joey jordison in and joey was like you know he was kind of doing he wasn't doing much at the time. I was like, because you know the Terry Bozio, he left. So I said, like, let's get Joey in. And so I got him connected to the band. I felt like I was going to be in this. Yeah. Get the first day of rehearsal. I'm I'm behind the cabinets. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I said, oh man. So I was like, my ego going in, and not that I deserve to have any. It was this is their we all, operation. Listen, we all have an ego, man. It's yeah. Not, it's not. It's not. That's I was normal. hurt. That's I was normal. hurt, man. I was like, man. I said, I thought, and I didn't say anything. And I think Monkey was kind of confused. And I think Jonathan. But, but did you say like this? I'm Clint Lowry. No, yeah, I said, I, I said exactly like that. Yeah, you I'm like, yo, listen, I'm Clint Lowry. I would, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> King Dingaling. <laughs> man, corn's intimidating, man. So I didn't say anything. I was yeah. like, that, I would express this to Joey and all those other guys, and I was falling apart, man. I was starting to drink, so I didn't have like even. I couldn't even voice it. 
because I was so caught up in my alcoholism, man, I didn't even know how to just like yeah. communicate to that. And they were real like, you know, there's Jonathan's click, there's Fieldy's click, and Monkey's. I mean, it was a very interesting business. Well, I just, it's funny thinking about it, to try and think about it from their perspective, I wonder if it was not necessarily about them, but they were probably, because like Seven Dust, it was the same five for so long. And yeah, everyone, man. and they're one of those bands where every, the, each one of the members has their own fan base, right? And it was probably for them, I think they were thinking, if we put someone out front, then the fans will feel like hurt. They would feel like I, I agree, man. And I wonder if that was their their mentality. It wasn't about who was filling in. It was that we, you know, it will feel to them that we're replacing this person, yeah. and that corn for them is the original members, and there there can't theoretically be a replacement. I think that's great. You know? And, 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 and I wonder would, if that was the mentality. So so this is not to disparage them because I feel like there's always a side to these yeah, stories. Yeah. It's like it's sometimes there's things that happen unfortunately to us, but it's not necessarily devised out of malice for us. Well, yeah, you know? and that was my, I was trying to like, you know, when I went in, it was this ego thing. And then now like, you know, because they had sent me home after about 10 months because I was just falling apart and they were, they gave me so many chances. They, that entire camp was great to me. They were amazing to me. Those guys were always a class act they didn't let me into their their world because guess what man that was they they made that that was a machine that was a huge thing how dare me come in and think that i assumed that i was just gonna naturally fall i would assume because you clint loud oh, no, you know loud. but to them i mean you know that i think that they're kind of you know they were fans of what we did but they weren't like you know it's like they, i i respect them because they're like man you, you can't just step up in here and then get what we've got of course. you're gonna come up here and they're gonna earn it had i gone in there and been like this together guy showed them riffs and stuff like that. That's all I wanted. I was like, man, I want to get in there and show them what I can do. Yeah. Cause I, I felt like I could have enhanced, you, you know, give them a, like this, this version of, of corn that would have been cool. Cause I mean, I love head. I think he's a huge part dude, of what that dude's were. a genius, man. But I was like, man, I want an opportunity to get in there and do what head does, you yeah. know, and be that effective in their band. And uh, I felt like I, I I was the guy to do it. But at the time I just kind of, so you were behind, you said you were literally behind the cabinets. No, I was like, you know what? Just they on had, that platform. There was a platform yeah. on top of the cabinets. Yes. Okay. So I wasn't. Well, there were sometimes I would actually be behind the cabinets when the stage didn't permit us to put the big risers up there for us. Crazy. So we, we were like, we were like in ears or something. You yeah. Had like yeah. A little little little, little monitor. A little. Mo I actually had monitors. Yeah. So yeah. how long did you do it? I did it for ten months. Ten months. Yeah. Wow. And it was fun, man. Yeah, I remember um, Christian from Fear Factory. I guess maybe after you left, got the call, and he literally. Just they were gonna put him in a mask. And he's like, I, he's like, if you're you're putting a mask, I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, you know, I was upset, man. They they did this thing where I had, they painted our faces yeah. at first. But and the then, thing is, but my point is, I think if you're gonna do that, then just get like get another dude, like a studio kind of behind yeah. the scenes, because um, there's plenty of those people. But the, what's the relevance of getting a quote unquote name person if they're right. if they're not? Cause like I said, it's not. I don't know. I, I guess I was so insecure at the time. I didn't. I, did, I didn't even know how to say. Man, I, I felt like honestly, I felt the same way as you. I was like, man, like, what you, there's so many people that can play these parts. Yeah. But I felt like, well, you know, and I felt, I felt, I felt, I felt like they were opening up to the idea of getting someone because they didn't know at that time if Head was coming back or not. Yeah. It was still pretty. It's almost like they wanted to like leave that door open, probably. Yeah, and I'm glad they did because Laura. I mean, ever since he's been back, they've done some great stuff, man, and it's cool, but. You know, yeah, I, I mean, they should have just got a placeholder. I think Wes came in and he did a good job, yeah, man. Yeah. He did a, he he did a great job and finalized that little side stage guy role the best. I mean, I think Wes is probably the best 
he did a great job. Yeah. No drama, you know. Yeah, I think I saw no there was a show I saw a show in New York and I can't remember if Head was back. I feel like he might have been, but I'm not, I don't actually no no, Head was not back. So it probably was Wes. Wes was back where I was, yeah. standing up on that thing behind Fieldy, you know. I started wearing wearing a you know, like a mask like he was getting ready to rob a bank. Yeah. Um <laughs> so was that so after you did you get sober during that or before or after? They those guys probably saved my life, man. they sent me home. It was my final, like my you know, I was married at the time and I knew if I if I lost that job, I'd lose my friends, I'd lose my my marriage, I lose my house, I lost everything. So I was on the road with them. Next week I was in treatment center. Uh, I was home, I was drinking myself to death, got into a treatment center right after that. And I, when I see those guys, I actually told Monkey that for the first time, I was like, when you guys sent me home, I felt like they thought I was still resentful. And we had done a lot of tours with them after that. Yeah. We did them, we would tour with them and Disturbed. Oh yeah, I saw that. So show. I was like, it was great. We had a good time. And no, we didn't ever talk about it. So I was like, man, you know, I want to say thank you guys for sending me home. It, they, they didn't enable me. They didn't just let me, they tried to let me stay out there. They were like, man, just pull it together. We need you to do this. And, you know, Jonathan said many times, man, we love you, but you got to chill, man. So what, I mean, you say you're drinking yourself to death. Was that, is it the lifestyle of being on the road? Was it some inner demons? Were you, what was the impetus around? What were you trying to, to kind of alleviate from the drinking? Well, yeah, I mean, the drinking was a symptom, man. I was, uh, I was drinking out, I was drinking away. Uh, a lot of a lot of defects in my soul, a lot of brokenness that was in within me. The drinking was what I did to, to cope with that. It was what I did uh, to run away from things. I, you know, there were so many times, and there was a physical addiction to it too. I was like, it was when I would try to come what, off. What were you? Were you drinking just hard liquor? Just hard, man. Like I was drinking vodka. I, I would go on days off because I was trying to hide the fact that I was drinking from corn. So on days off, I would go in and would get a backpack and go get like two bottles of vodka, go, go bottle Jeez. of wine empty out mini fridges you know and they they were they were starting to yeah. see it you know I, it was I, I was bad at hiding it but uh, i was drinking man you know my was there life, anything else was just drinking i was drugs man okay. whatever i Everything. could do yeah, yeah. yeah i mean it was bad man and um you know and i, I you know again I'm, I'm thankful for those things that happened those bottoms that i hit because i, I just needed to i needed to i needed my ass whipped yeah and i did i got it man and uh, those guys sending me home was the so did, final did you thing. go to like a real rehab like one of those Going, I'm going away places. Oh yeah, man, it wasn't that fancy, man. It was, you know, I, I was eating lunch with people in medical. There was, a, there was like two different wings. There was one with people that were like cutters and and all these psychological, real issues. Like yeah. I mean, people that were, you know, clinically insane, man. I was eating lunch in lines with these people wearing these blue robes, and yeah. and that, you know, it's funny because I was like, I, this is where I need to be. This, yeah. I'm exactly where it was humble, man. I was living in this house with twelve other guys doing chores. You know, it was very, it was humbling on a level that, you know, at the time I embraced it because I didn't had nothing else, man. I didn't know. Well, what but else. Th that, I think that's the point. It's not going to work if you don't embrace it, right? If yeah. you don't want to be there. Oh, yeah. I'd been to treatment centers before. You know, this one was the, this was the first time I'd ever stayed. It was like impatient and I had a, a guy to help me get in there and it, that really I still owe my life to, man. But, you know, and what, it, is, what is this like 10 years ago? 11 like years 11 ago. Years yeah, ago. yeah. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, and ever since then, man, my life, and then, then getting back to seven, us making some calls, that repairing my relationship with the guys first. Did you have to do the amends and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah, man, I did. I did all that, man, because you know what? It was what they required, what they told me I needed to do. And yeah. I just, I, I borrowed their thoughts and, and feelings because I, I didn't trust my own. Yeah. So I, I did, I did what they said, man. And, you know, it felt good to, you can't make amends to everybody. Some people weren't hearing it, but 
some. Well, it's know, not about that. It's about you you expressing yourself because it's uh, side. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. It's up to them how they kind of handle it. But at least you did your part. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's not about hey, I'm doing this to. I always say this sometimes with um with my girlfriend. Sometimes it's like if you say I love you, right? Mm. Don't say I love you just because you want to hear it back. Yeah, that's not what it's. A, that's a, that's just my, my my thought process on it because it in a uh, yeah in a, in a way it's and I will say it, but I don't want to say it out of just because you. It's like I feel like that's a poor way of communicating. It's like it's a it's an expression. It's an agenda. It's, it's, it's not of like I'm not putting out a fishing rod to pull something back. Yeah, you know, and it's um and this is not to like I said I love I love my lady, but we'll, these are things we talk about. Like I think as you develop and get older and you kind of think about how people relate to each other and people who do love each other and how you communicate and that you know be secure be secure enough to say i love you but i don't i don't i'm not doing it. i'm just telling this is for me yeah, to, i'm yeah. giving the giving is not the transaction could end right now and i can give you a gift but you don't have to give me a gift it's yeah, okay yeah. this is about what i'm i'm doing it's about you know yeah the men's thing you know i, I wasn't apologizing i was just telling the people that I'd harmed. This is where I was at. This is if there's anything I can do to make any of this right, let me know. And yeah. some people would respond. Some people wouldn't. Some people were like, "You can go to hell." Some people be like, "Man, I love you. I'm so happy you're getting better." This and that. And uh, you know, and I still still run into people like, "Oh yeah, man, I remember we were in Europe back in <laughs> you know '98, and I did something weird." You know, so there's always that. But you know. Uh, today I'm not making any, I'm not doing anything on this, you know, right now that's, that's giving me, uh, putting me in the position to do that. And that's the biggest gift, man. Mm. Not just not, not intentionally going out and trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. Well, it's just, you know, you, I think you're one of the guys that's been most ins inspiring to me because like, for example, you go back to the early records. I think there's a couple solos on, on, on the first album yeah. and then there wasn't really, yeah. you guys are doing it. And now you're just fucking shredding <laughs> i'm like this motherfucker i like that's what happened during that era when everyone stopped playing solos there were some secret motherfuckers out there who were sick and just were just not doing it cool it, to do solos you know? man and uh but but i'm saying but the but the first record did have solos and i'm like but now i hear you now i'm like god damn so I, is it a situation where you've just kept developing and, and getting better as a player where like were you that good technically back then, or is it something you've kind of oh, worked man, on? Man, I, I was way better as a younger guitar player. Really? I was in front from the old uh, Shrapnel Records, Steve Vai, Paul Gilbert, Inve, all that, all those guys. I, I, I was obsessed with that. Like, I mean, hours and hours of woodshed and woodshed, woodshed. So you're one of those guys. You're, one of, you're like Mike, Mike from Stain, just a just a secret shredder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah. who was that homeboy from Mushroom Head? That could, the one guitar player. Did he throw was, it down? Dude, dude, is sick. He was like, Yo, you perfect for Inve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in and, and Mushroom Head, just like. Dan, 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 dan. Get the fuck out of here, you fucking faker. <laughs> I'm struggling over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just throws it out like just casually like, oh shit, man, where was that at? But, no, I, I think there was just an era where it wasn't cool to do solos, but I think there was all, a lot of closet shredders, you know? I was a lot better back then. It's just one of those things you just got to pull that skill set back up and just do it, apply yourself. But there's these incredible guitar players now. Everyone's doing it again. Yeah. So it's cool to, to kind of to have that ability to do it, but I'm not, I don't consider myself at that level. There was a time where I was a, a more technical practice musician, more disciplined, but not now, you know, it's just one of those things I got to go back and it's there, but it ain't, you know, I got to go back. It, I've lo I love the lead work on the, on the last record. Thanks man. Uh, love, love what you're doing. Very, it's, it's very inspiring and it makes me like, all right, I, I, I got you ain't no slouch, man. Hey man, I'm, I'm almost in that same boat because I was doing, 
I was in this kind of very technical metal band for a long period of time where it was kind of about the guitars and about the solos and the harmonies and all this stuff. And kind of there was a very uh, keeping up with the Joneses kind of aspect to to technicality and feeling like, hey, this is kind of part of the brand of the band is that we are going to push push the end of 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 the guitar stuff. And so when I left, God forbid, it was kind of freeing to just not have that be the focus or to, to learn how to write songs where guitar was not the primary mover of what was happening. Yeah, you know it's a lot saying? of pressure as a player if you're doing what, if, if it's all on you to well, really provide the... Well, no, but I think it's a, I think when you come from the the riff-based thrash metal, you know, the Metallicas and Megadeth where it's, the guitars are pushing everything, then it kind of blinds you to the other type of songwriting, which is that, you know, a song, a song is really a chord progression, lyrics, and yeah. vocal melody. That's a song, like in its purest, in its purest form. Yeah. And a riff is something that, even though it's a staple to this hard rock and metal thing, there's a million other genres of music where it, it doesn't really have a place. And so it's like, all right, let me learn this thing over here. Yeah, yeah. And then you kind of open yourself up. You, know, you listen to a, you know, so it was like like weirder like Radiohead records where they're like mostly electronic and they've kind of the guitar is this thing that kind of went away. It's like an it's, ambient thing. In yeah, the or then, but then they've on the recent records it's kind of come back and they've kind yeah. of and you can kind of say, all right, can I have a song be compelling where it's not about this or because it becomes because as you probably noticed as well is that in the mainstream guitars have kind of slowly but surely been erased and the and the bands that do have guitars it's usually like this kind of bluesy kind of thing yeah yeah uh, like you know whether it's uh you know 21 pilots or these kind of type type of bands it's even you you see it with uh like the new foo fighters record it's not that usual really mid-tone but guitar you want to air guitar every part it's not there well because i think they're reading the tea leaves and are like hey if you do this kind of sound where the it the like where i think loud guitars to a lot of young people sounds like dad rock yeah, you know, and they don't. And it gets played out, man. I mean, like it, it, it eats itself. It does the same thing over and over. And I think people just after a while, even with this, the stuff I'm doing now on the solo stuff, it's like the guitar is there, but it's it's I'm trying new ways and provoking different sound just just to just because I get bored with just riffing out. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, well, let me challenge myself with these effects and how I layer these guitars and and single note stuff as opposed to these big open chords yeah. just like just try to open up some more interesting avenues instead of just that s typical thing that happens I think that's what happens people just get tired of that same you know there's only so many real Dave Grohl wrote a bunch of really cool stuff but I think even after a while I was like man okay now what you know well but I mean but that's that's the whole part of this thing of the the environment changes how do you stay especially when you're like a major band right where yeah, yeah, yeah. Foo Fighters isn't com isn't um, competing with the bands in our world they're competing with the Kendrick Lamars and Absolutely, the Muses yeah. and they're the, and Metallica like Top they're the food chain yeah they're, yeah. In, they're in that realm so they, they have to kind of judge themselves by hey are we going to get invited to play the Grammys this year are we going to be you know what I'm saying yeah, so yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think and like Muse is another band I'm a big fan yeah, of huge and, fan yeah and um you know Matt Bellamy, who's an amazing guitar player, and they've been kind of one of the the bigger bands that has made guitar a centerpiece of what they do, do, have yeah. done. And even he's talking about, yeah, I think guitar is kind of kind of you know it's and not he pushed like it people, to way different. Yeah. I mean, very synthy kind of things that he did that were very inspiring again guitar wise, and 
uh, the way he married his vocal and uh, like he sang so great with his, his guitar part is a very classical or yeah. operatic, you know, and the earlier stuff, you know, and I love that the fact well, anytime someone does that, where they, they keep the guitar an element in there, but they're trying this different swing on it. And, you know, I, I love blues. I went back to this like, heavy blues era, you know, you know, and putting that blues Southern uh, background on top of some very, you know, very, I don't want to say high production hip hop beats, but just like different things like that. Yeah. Just marrying those weird things that ordinarily don't mesh that well. I think that's cool. And, and it's cool. I ever know you have this one song that all of a sudden this 15 second window, this incredible guitar part, you know, and then all of a sudden it just goes away. Like, Oh, that was cool. You didn't throw it to the entire song. It was just this one thing that popped out. Like, Oh, it, the ability to do that incredible guitar stuff is there, but they're restraining a little bit. I think that's kind of cool. It's because it makes you really want it when it does happen. Yeah. Just ways to keep you. Interested. So you have this solo thing. Do you know when it's going to come out or? Yeah. Um, it'll probably come out the beginning of 2020. Uh, again, very respectful of the seven dust timeline and all that. Well, if you need, listen, if I'm off, you need another guy to jam out with you. Do some shows. You know, I gotta put a boy. band together, man. Holla at your boy. Yeah, you know I'm saying I one will. of my dreams is to is, is to rock with uh with with Clint Clint Lowry. I can learn some of the crazy open tunings you use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I remember, like I was supposed to do um Angel Sun. Like Tommy wanted to cover it, and then I went and found the tabs. Like, what is this fucking tuning? I don't got the string gauges to accomplish man, this it, shit. It's, it's so it's not as hard as everyone. But that was uh, we were trying to throw a, a curveball to people to make our easy riffing seem more complicated than it really was. It, it, it it is though just to make it hard on like these these shredders that just like I just can't figure it out. It's like just all you have to do is tune that one string, half step up, and then you're there, man. <laughs> That's all it is. You know? Because that makes everything what like the G. You tune that one up so it becomes a major. Well, yeah, like well in the Angel Sun, it's like well there's like these there's one variation there's like the one angel we call it the angel sun where it's like there's there's the on the high it's a c sharp and it's like a g so you basically tune that what would be the b mm -hmm. i call everything a traditional yeah, yeah, configuration b just a, like a whole step up i think it just kind of majors it out yeah and just a, and then you tune the top to c sharp as well so it's like these octaves and it, you know in a drop tuning and uh so we do that and we do that same configuration in drop B. We do the same configuration in, in A sharp. And By the way, for the, for the non-guitar players, we apologize. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's just, just ways to make it, you know, to push yourself to write different riffs and different. Yeah, that's one of the, that's one of the classic uh, acoustic riffs ever, man. Chiming, yeah, Dude, yeah. Dude, it's so, so badass. One day I'm going to actually learn it, figure out how to tune my guitar that way. And it's then, so easy, man. It's well, so easy. Well, I'm just saying, man. I'm just, you know, I'm not that bright. You know, I know, you know, don't, don't let the, uh, the, the MacBook pro over here. Yeah, I'm you. impressed, man. That's good. That's good. I got the same exact setup. Man. Well, well, no, man, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that we actually got to finally do this because, you know, like I said, you're someone that I've always looked up to as a, as a player, as a songwriter, as a professional, um, you know, you're definitely one of, one of the, one of the people in the end and the fact that, um, over, you know, I, cause I think a lot of times especially when like, you open up for a band early on and you're a local band and they're a real band for you there's always that kind of distance right like oh well they're over there and i feel like the first time i actually got to really hang out with you guys on a peer level was when we played download festival yeah yeah literally it's 10 years ago actually wow yeah, we yeah. played uh back to back and it was the first time i was like man these, these guys actually kind of know who i am and you know but it's always you feel like it's like you're the freshman and that that's the senior sure, so yeah. you have that that reverence and stuff so um 
to be able to kind of just continue develop a relationship and um and still be able to do things together and and hopefully i would more than anything i hope we can do a tour together because i think I obviously that, our bands would work a thousand percent together and i think the audience would would fucking i think the crowds would really enjoy it but they were you know we're gonna be around for a second man so let us know right on man that would that would that would be fantastic man thank you so much for coming on the show my pleasure brother love you man i love you bud was a track entitled biggest fan from clint's record uh call me no one that was the name of the band we we mentioned it in the conversation from 2012 called last parade and if you don't have it if you're a fan of this guy and of seven dust this is a a must own record because it's essentially uh clint's solo record although um morgan the drummer from seven dust did did play on it so i don't know how much collaboration was going there but i kind of so it's, I guess it's either a solo record or a record with, you know, a, a duo record, however you want to um, put it. But it's it's awesome. It's a little more straight rock than than Seven Dust, which is a little chunkier and kind of kind of heavier, which which I love. And I'm, I'm so glad he he did lead vocals on it. And as he said, he's got a solo record coming out. And 
I can't wait to to get that because I I could uh, hear listen that guy sing the fucking phone book. So uh, yeah, massive thanks to him. I don't even have to ask if you guys enjoyed it. I know you enjoyed it because that's the that's the real shit. That's that that's that good X Men stuff. Oh, yeah, getting me amped up. Well, anyway. I'm not gonna. I got. I got nothing else for you guys right now. You know, I, I yelled at you at the beginning of the show. You know, then I entertained them. You know, Clinton, I entertained, and now I'm now I'm spent. I'm gonna go. Uh, you know, check out Brisbane, see what's going on around here. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, we got a show, a couple shows coming up, and uh, it's gonna be crazy. Oh, oh, one one more thing. Um, I just announced I will be playing with Mark Morton from Lamb of God in his solo band. And uh, you know I have to mention this on the on the next <laughs> show because I don't know who who listens this this long in the in in, in the damn thing. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna be playing second guitar in Mark Morton solo band, and uh, we're co-headlining with Light the Torch, like Howard from Killswitch Engage, and Moontooth, one of my favorite bands ever um, that you should check out. So and that'll just it's pretty much going from the northeast of the United States to the West Coast, and just hitting some major cities in between like Chicago and near Denver. So it's kind of quick, not that many shows, just 10 shows. So, uh, yeah, but I'm glad I could fit in. And it's, and if you haven't heard Mark's, uh, solo stuff, it's pretty damn great. So uh, that's a huge honor. Something I'm really looking forward to. So, uh, check that out. And, uh, I love you guys rate and review the show on iTunes and, uh, you know, stop hating Mamba out. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.